This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room. Uh, today, we are here with Mike. Mike, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Um, good to be here. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a pleasure to have you. It's a uh, it's already coming off to a great start. I can feel the energy. And uh, our favorite question to kick things off with when we're starting this conversation on this show is, do you yourself come from a family of entrepreneurs or professional creatives? That's a very interesting question because I'm a great believer that families actually tend to skip generations. I am very much like my grandfather on my father's side. He was extremely entrepreneurial, as were his four brothers. My father was far more risk averse, and my son is extremely risk averse. So, to answer your question, on my grandfather's side, they were very entrepreneurial. And that really? goes back that goes back a hundred years. Oh wow. You can trace back the family lineage, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. I've been meaning to do that. Uh it's just funny. There's something about the uh the Native American indigenous half of me has no traces whatsoever. <laughs> but then, you know, my American side, you know, they somewhere like it's Lafue, which is a derivative of Lafayette. So it's really interesting to see how documentation uh, uh, it takes place over the years. And I really appreciate your insight on that skipping a generation, because I think there, there really is something to that. You know, Jason himself uh, comes from a family of entrepreneurs, and yet the way he does things is definitely entirely different from the way uh, his family does things. And I myself am definitely more risk prone or open to risk than my my own family was. So I I really do believe you have a hypothesis there that warrants a book, and maybe that's what you write about, right? Or because what I have here is you yourself uh, are in the publishing world, uh, and there is an emphasis on children's books. But is is this only for children's books, or do you does your range go broader than that? No, it is it is predominantly children's books. I've created a series of children's books that are interconnected and are as big, if not bigger than, in terms of content, all the Harry Potter books put together. Wow, and. And it was my my role working for a very large US-based IT company that gave me the um, the concept about this this book series that I started. Interesting. I do have here in the notes that you say you don't have to be famous to write a successful children's book. What do you mean by that? Right. 
we've produced what I think is a fantastic series of books for children aged 7 to 13. We decided we had to self-publish them, and there are 27 books in the series. Um, 130 connected stories because when we started to go down the line of speaking to traditional publishers I always got the same answer you're not famous we only we only deal with with children's books that are written by famous people which is an absolute staggering statement but it happens to be how the, the world perceives um, writers of children's books. So we think we are going to break the mold. Um, we, it's taken us a long time to put these books together, but the storyline and what we have inside those books is absolutely unique. Wow. I mean, that's as entrepreneurial as it gets, looking at an industry standard and saying, we're going to book that and uh, flip it on its head and do it the right way. Because whoever said that famous people were the ones who had an opinion on how to raise children and how to influence their decisions as they grow older. If that were the case, then all teachers would be completely useless. And that's not the case. <laughs> Absolutely. No. Oh, wow. I, that I makes really me like want to go on strike. <laughs> just hearing that just hearing that somebody even told you that is oh, irritating because no, 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 the, the, the industry the yeah. book publishing industry tells that to anybody who writes the children's book wow it is what? unbelievable and this isn't just uk this is worldwide and and we are going to break the the, the mold because we have something that is is incredibly special. Would you like me to tell you how I came about creating it? I'd love to hear that, actually. Okay. I told you I worked for a big U.S. corporation. Can I tell you who they were? Sure. Please. A company called IBM. <laughs> right down got, the road for me. <laughs> I got I got hired by a guy who was head of educational software for IBM. He met me at a meeting, and within two hours of meeting me, he offered me a job. We'd never met before. He only listened to me do a presentation and came to me in the lunch break and said, I need to hire you. He hired me as a consultant to manage IBM's global markets for educational software. And those global markets were everywhere except North America. He was based in Atlanta and um, he said, I can only hire you as a consultant because we can't go through the formalities. We have to prove there's nobody better for this job in the US, but we can hire you as a consultant. He gave me a six month contract. I stayed 10 years. My role was to find partners for the IBM series of educational software for ages up to 11. So I think elementary education. 
I was I was meeting with people who wanted to distribute the products worldwide. I was meeting with educational authorities. I was meeting with schools, districts, teachers, and thousands and thousands of kids. And wherever I was in the world, from South America to Australia to Africa to Asia, including China, the kids always asked me one question. Obviously, through interpreters, but they all asked me the same question. What do kids do in your country? And that stayed with me until I left IBM after 10 years. And that's what led me to create the series of books that are now called Termali and the Lightsavers. And what is unique about it is that I created this series with 12 children as the main characters from different countries around the world. So we have kids from South America, North America, Europe, Africa, Asia, Russia, and sorry, not Russia, China, um, India. And uh, the stories, in effect, answer that question that those kids were always asking me, because they can pick one of these characters and find out all about their life and, and home life and how they came to be involved in this fantastic story that I created. Wow. I'm taking a breath. No, yeah, no, no. <laughs> I I think uh I think it's it's definitely needed. I remember growing up and wondering the same things because all I had was the reference of around me. Now technology has obviously exploded since I yep. was a kid even. And I can only imagine it's true of when you started your career to where it is now. Um, I'm curious, how are you looking at adopting technology to help move this issue or this agenda forward? Well, we're obviously going down the route and technology has moved on a pace in the publishing world. And so we are, we are, paddling as fast as we can to create um, ebooks, but more importantly, print on demand. Going back even two years, print on demand was a very expensive solution. That solution has become much more um, affordable by the average guy in the street. And so we are working with a couple of of groups around the world to make our books available uh, either as ebooks um, or as uh, literally physical books that they can they can buy via um, Amazon, Kindle, whatever. Um, and getting the message out is where we're we're spending a lot of our time because um, we've already got potential partners who want to take the rights for the books for several countries around the world, um, including India and China and Australia. Um, we're, we're sort of working very hard to find the right partner for the USA, uh, because trust me, when I say these, this story um, about the books is so good, 
I'm having lots of my adult friends read the books and basically saying, but I enjoyed that story. Why do you say it's just for kids? And I say because it's a fantasy story and it's designed for kids. But I've got lots and lots of um, adults who've read the books. I mean, yeah, it's 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 a really interesting uh, industry to be in when you're not only in publishing, but then taking that to the next level by doing it internationally. And there are different laws and regulations you have to be aware of and how that works. And I mean, it's a, it's a whole different game. And if I have my notes here, right, I mean, when you were at ABM, you were, again, doing all this international business. Uh, how have you seen that landscape change over the years? And is there anything that people who are in the U.S. or who are listening let's say who are only thinking locally might be missing out on taking their consideration for business, maybe beyond just the U S. Well, I have to tell you this story because I, I think this, this puts it into perspective. The, the timeline of this was around about the year 2000. And I'd negotiated a very large deal with the Taiwanese, um, hardware manufacturer who wanted to incorporate some of the IBM software into their hardware they were producing. In those days, nobody was reliant or uh, even accepted um, electronic communication signatures. I was told to get on a plane from the UK to Taipei in Taiwan, go meet with my customer, get the document agreement signed, and fly it back to the US. Wow. You can't believe that that was necessary, <laughs> but trust me, that was necessary then. They wanted the hard copy signed on their desk. That would never happen today. But the one thing, the one thing I would say to all your um, your audience in the U.S. is, the world is a massive place. Don't be afraid. If you have something that you want to take outside the USA, do not be afraid to do that, because the world predominantly speaks English. Wow. I, I I can tell you, I, I've traveled to many, many countries around the world and never, ever had a language problem because my base language is English. I, I know a little bit of Spanish and a fair bit of German and a little bit of French, um, but I didn't need it. Wherever I was, people want to talk in English. So don't be worried about going beyond your boundaries because people will just want to know what you've got to offer them. Well, I think this is a perfect time to check in with Jason on some reflections that he's had just listening to your journey so far. Okay. Yeah. I, I will tell you that uh, yeah, as somebody that's traveled around the world myself and, and been in other countries and so on and so forth, we're, as Americans, we're the ones that are actually behind the times, right? 
<laughs> There's no doubt about that when it comes to being bilingual and all these things. Because um, a lot of other countries, they speak three, four different languages, right? <clears throat> and I guess maybe maybe we're just too bougie for that or something. I'm not <laughs> real sure what it is, but, but uh, you know, but uh, I, I think it's important to expand horizons and you, it's hard to be an international business if you never like actually go out and go for it, right? You have to go out and go for it. You have to make the, the effort to do that. And with all the technology now and ways to connect, there are no boundaries anymore. None whatsoever. I mean, I meet people on LinkedIn that are from all over the world and interact with them and then have them on the podcast so on and so forth well you're a great example i mean you're from the uk uh, <clears throat> and i just think we have to not put borders up when it comes to business or like in your case with with these with these children's books that you have you got my interest peak because i have two little kids so um my interest is peaked on those books and they read a lot. They're on their 6,000 number 6,000 book. Wow. Um, they're three and six um, and they love to read. So mm. there again, I'm interested in the books. <laughs> it's a big pastime for them to read. So they love well, to do it. All you have to do is send me your address and I will get you some books because the more people that look at the books and give me the feedback, the happier I am. Yeah, cool. That's Very um, cool. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. It's very colorful. That's the first book in the series. Nice. All the, all the books are fantastically illustrated. And yeah. the series, the series is about this mystical world that's set in the sky which is made up of seven lands. And where it starts to get interesting, guys, is because those seven lands are basically similar to our continent. Mm. Now, this place, this world, is called Tamali, T-U-R-M-A-L-I. And it's connected by the rainbow bridges you can see on the book cover. Yeah. The, the people of Tamali have the most wonderful life. They travel across the rainbow bridges and travel freely between the lands. The rainbow bridges are powered by tourmaline gemstones, which are real gemstones, but most guys like us don't know anything about. Yeah, tourmaline, so yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. So these, these, these people who live in this world have the most perfect life until one day, their world is shattered when aliens arrive who hate light of any kind. And those aliens are called the light killers. And they set about stealing all the tourmaline gemstones and hiding them away. The consequence being that the rainbow bridges disappear and the lands are left isolated. And the people are stuck on one of the seven lands and the place becomes dark. The elders of Tamale decide to call on 12 children from Earth who've each got a magical tourmaline gemstone that they've had for a good experience they've done in their life. And they get transported 
of this world to help the people of Tamale fight off the alien invaders. And that's basically what all the stories are about. Oh. I could see it's it. Unique. Yeah. It's unique. And, and the kids come from, we, we've got a boy and a girl each from South America. So they come from Brazil. We've got a boy and a girl from the US. And, and obviously, the boy's got Hispanic backgrounds, which we thought was important. We have two kids from England. One of those kids, the girl, has um, Indian origins in terms of India. Um, then we've got two African children, two Indian children, and two Chinese children. And so they've all got different and diverse backgrounds. Just to give you a quick example, the two kids that live in Brazil, one lives in Rajinha, the um, biggest favela in Rio de Janeiro, wow. with nothing, with nothing. And the other one is a very rich girl whose mother is a fashion designer and her father owns hotels. So what we try to do is show diversity in all the stories. And the feedback I've had so far is unbelievable. All the books are fully illustrated. So the kids can start to understand the characters and the locations. So that's my story. No, I, I think it's brilliant. And even some businesses may want to consider maybe hiring a little more diverse in that way. <laughs> for, <laughs> yeah, right. for the types of ideas it might bring to a business, you know, uh, sometimes a, a team can look a little uh, copy and paste, you know, and, and that does nothing for innovation. <laughs> might, and, might, might use some rainbows coming out of the CEO's <laughs> office to the, to the HR department. <laughs> I, 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 we, we launched this series in April at the London book fair. And I was absolutely horrified to be told by a group of Middle Eastern publishers who loved the stories and then decided that they couldn't take the series into Middle East because of the rainbows. Wow. <laughs> because, because of the underlying uh -huh. connection with the LBGT community. That's insane, that crazy? man. Yeah. That's crazy. I don't know but, anyone who's seen a rainbow as a kid out in nature and didn't say to themselves, wow, that's cool. Has nothing absolutely. to do with anything else. Everything no. is so political these days. <laughs> well, well, why I chose the rainbows was when I was doing my research for the book, um, I discovered that 2,000 years ago, the ancient Egyptians called the tourmaline gemstone the gemstone of the rainbow. Hmm. And their myth was that on its journey through the earth, the gemstone passed through a rainbow. And whichever part of the rainbow it passed through was the color it ended up. And I just fell in love with that storyline. And thinking about the fact that the ancient Egyptians came up with that 2,000 years ago is amazing because. The tourmaline gemstone is the only gemstone that's found in every color of the rainbow. Oh, wow. Nice. 
I didn't know that. And I worked in fine jewelry and uh, semi-precious stones for at least four years. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I think I think you have a really interesting story. And when I listen to the material that you're working with, I mean, it could be licensed to so many. I thought it, I was like, you could have a cereal made out of this, man. I mean, the list goes on, right, with all the opportunities. We, um, we hope it will one day be an animated cartoon series. We definitely do. But um, please do send me your addresses and I'll send you the book, some of the books to, to have a look at. And, and then you can let me know what you think. Absolutely. I actually, I I interviewed somebody a while back who uh, works at NASA, but is trying to develop educational material to promote STEM technology, uh, STEM education and things of that nature. I think there may be some crossover with what it is that you're doing. I'll see if I can make that arrangement happen. Uh, And for the interest of this conversation, however, if people did want to get a hold of you, where would they go to connect with you? The website is tamale.com. T U R M A L I tamali.com. That's the website. And they can contact me at mike at tamali.com. Those are the best ways. Okay. And if you had bottom line, this is your collected wisdom over the years that you have, you could leave someone with something who's listening right now based on everything you covered, like, hey, this is my bottom line advice for anything you may want to pursue in life. What would that be? It doesn't matter where you come from, what your background is. If you believe in what you're doing, you can achieve everything you set out to achieve, as my characters do in our books. Absolutely. I mean, there's weight to that. You traveled the world, got a vision, and are putting it into practice. I don't care who's listening. You got to take that page from that book and just roll with it. Um, with that said, before we get on to the final question, right, there is one one order uh, of business I do want to attend to, and that's this awesome conversation was made possible by someone in our community. And that person today is going to be Ryan Jackson of BLU University, right? And essentially, this university is the kind of place where people have all often told themselves, oh, I'm going to go into business. But then they think about, okay, do I go to a university, right? And go and study and get a degree. And uh, there may be some debt attached to that. And the list goes on, right? Or you know what? I won't do it, but I'm going to go solo and just start hitting the pavement and see what comes up only to find that they hit the school of hard knocks and still end up in debt somehow. And still, and you know, it's like, no matter what you do, you can't avoid this. Well, there's actually now a place where if you have been spending all these years trying to build your skills and just don't know how to apply them in a business capacity, much like with the story that we're talking about now, where you've developed a lot and now have turned it into something that's really growing and evolving fast. Well, that same kind of instruction can be found with people who are doing it every day in the real world. You don't have to worry about your whether your professor, when was the last time your professor made a sales call? That's not what we're talking about here, right? If you're in a university, those professors probably aren't even making sales calls anymore. Well, that's not the case here with BLU University. So if you just go to blu.university, you can check out what's going on there. And if you tell them that you heard about them through us, you can take advantage of a special 20% tuition discount, uh, which is SAB20 is the code you can use. And they will be taking care of you. All you have to do is let them know we sent you. With that, I think it's time to move on to something that I'm always curious about. Jason, would you agree it's time for the grand finale? I think so. 
All right. So for all the points, Mike, if you could have invited anyone to sit here and listen to the great universe that you've created with uh, Termali uh, or even your own journey with IBM and the things that you learned traveling the world, meeting so many kids and finding out that they all really had the same question. Uh, who would you have loved to have invited here today and why them? There's only one person, guys. I'm sorry. It's um, a lady called J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Because, I get it. Because she was rejected by at least 200 publishers before she found somebody to take on Harry Potter. And, wow. and I would just love to have had her sit here and listen to my story. Yeah, you're right. It's like we started from the beginning, right? Uh, people are like, yeah, only famous people can write children's books. Where anyone who hears that out loud goes, well, okay, <laughs> I don't see how that's the case. That's a strange and odd policy to have considering majority of people who are famous probably shouldn't be giving kids advice but that's a whole that's a whole other conversation it is it is absolutely <laughs> um so i really think there's a really powerful uh message in our entire conversation i for one uh welcome a refreshing topic like this it's not one that i get a chance to talk to uh, or talk about a lot so thank you for bringing that to the script it is tradition around here for jason to close this out but i just want you to know it's been a pleasure speaking with you mike it's been a great pleasure speaking to both of you. Thank you. Yeah, Mike, you got you. You have an amazing journey, right? And the 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 journey that you embarked on through part of your life is really what fed into what's today, right? With the books now, the kids' books, and, and all those things. And and I have a suspicion that you know the right people are going to come along and see the value in what you're doing and it will happen. Right. But it, it's like, you know, anything in life is if it comes really easy, then, you know, you kind of have to step back and ask your question, the question, why was that so easy? Right. Um, the hardest things in life are always the most rewarding. Right. And, I think that that struggle and things are designed in the human dynamic on purpose because, you know, we go through these experiences in life and those experiences shape us and they make what we do 10 times better in my opinion. And so somebody asked me one time, they said, well, what's, what's one of your best pieces of, of advice for a business that is struggling? And one of them is this, stay the course, <laughs> stay the course and stay the course, follow what you're doing. Eventually it will lead to the place you want it to go. And, uh, and if it's not in your time, somebody picks up the ball and continues to roll with it. Right. So, so that's the beauty of it. So thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time to be here. Um, and My it pleasure. Was a great conversation for sure. And and can I just finish just very quickly by saying, yeah, when I'm asked uh, by these publishers, "Are you famous?" My answer now is not yet. 
Yeah, man. Your that answer right should be answer. <laughs> the right answer should be, well, by God, I am. <laughs> in right up here in my own yeah. mind. <laughs> yeah. so guys, guys, it's been it's been my pleasure. So thank you. Same hope, hope you enjoyed what I have to say. Uh, absolutely. No, consider it definitely. This isn't our last time talking, that's for sure. Great. But again, thank you for your time. Hope um hope I didn't go over too much. No, no, nah, no. This was great, man. All. Thanks for stopping by. Okay. Right. Cheers. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.